Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter with VIP, and you're all around hiring guru. And you know, it is my joy to bring you every week to bring you experts from around the world, around the country, to talk to you about how you can better achieve that career satisfaction. And today, I, I've brought a little unique guest. I'm pretty excited about this guest. So I'd like to welcome Mac Pritchard, CEO of Max List and Recruitment and Career Expert. We always want to talk to the career experts, right? Mac owns and operates Max List, a certified B corporation that serves employers and job seekers in Oregon and Washington. Now, you may ask why we're talking about Oregon and Washington. These principles apply all over. So that you can still take away some really good information today. The MaxList team shares more than job listings. They provide free educational services for job seekers and employers, partner with local businesses and nonprofit organizations, and produce a weekly career advice podcast, Find Your Dream Job. They serve as a platform to bring together passionate job seekers and great employers in an effort to make work more rewarding for everyone. Thanks for joining us today, Mac. Well, it's a pleasure, Casey. Thanks for having me. You know, I just like to call out the elephant in the room. We had a little bit of a miscommunication, my fault, on time. And you called an audible and you're like, we can do this still. And you made it happen today. So I really appreciate that. Well, I, I'm honored to be on the show. And I know you're a very flexible person who thinks fast on your feet as well. So it's a pleasure to team up to do this episode together. Absolutely. But you know, I learned a very valuable lesson today. What's that? Don't assume. <laughs> That's always a good lesson to, get, to remember. I assumed I knew exactly what was on my calendar for the day without really checking it and did not realize we were recording an hour earlier today. And so I just, that was a really good reminder for me. And I think that that's a reminder that we can take forward in our careers. You know, what's, when you walk into a room, don't assume, don't assume you know what the other person's thinking or what they think about you. It's a great advice to keep in mind. And I think it also plays into uh, the need to always be curious. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, to be able to uh, think fast on your feet. So those are all skills that serve you well in your career and, and in a job search when you're out looking for the next opportunity. You, you just said one of my favorite words. Curious. Which one is that? Curious? Curiosity? I love curious. I love to be curious and I love to encourage others to be curious, like when they're going into a job interview. So I, I think that, and getting off topic here, but I think it's totally okay when you walk into a job interviewer's office and you see something that sparks your interest to ask the question, like if it's a pitcher or maybe they have assigned baseball there, you know, is that your favorite team? I, I think that that's so simple. It is. And it's a great way to build rapport with people, whether you're going to an office for a job interview or or just going through daily life, because you'll 
people love to talk about their interests and uh, their themselves and, and the work they do or, and asking open-ended questions like that can, you never know where the answers might take you and you'll hear some great stories along the way as well. I love that so much. So Nick, you have a very impressive background. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do today. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I run a regional job board, maxlist.org. We serve employers in Oregon and Washington State with in, uh, our business sells job listings, Casey. Uh, and we have hundreds of positions on the site. Uh, we also provide lots of content about how to look for work and uh, how to get ready for interviews, how to set goals, uh, improve your resume, as well as information about how to hire smarter because our Typical customers, uh, a smaller employer, usually with five, 10, or 15 employees, and they usually don't have an HR person on staff. Uh, so the person who's posting a job with us hasn't been trained in how to write a posting, manage an interview process, or um, communicate effectively with candidates. So we provide content about how to do that as well. And uh, to your point about, well, uh, what can a guy in Oregon tell you that might be of use outside of the Pacific Northwest? As, as you said in the introduction, the the advice we share is is universal. It works uh, in this part of the world and uh, uh, e even around uh, outside the United States. Um, so I came to this work after a career in communications, working largely in politics, government, and nonprofits. I ran my own public relations firm for 15 years. Uh, I was a speechwriter for a governor, ran city hall communications for a mayoral candidate. Uh, but the constant that ran through all these jobs, Casey, was wanting to make a difference about issues I cared about or in the community where I lived and worked. And MaxList allows me to do that. Um, I'm an accidental job board operator. We can talk more about that later, but th that's, that's my career story. I, I love your title, an accidental job board operator. So how, what prompted you to start MaxList? Two long periods of unemployment after Ooh. some pretty impressive jobs and uh, a fancy education, including a graduate degree at Harvard. So I, I know what it's like to cash the last unemployment check after 30 weeks, and I came within one check of doing it a second time. And those experiences, Casey, taught me the, the value of learning job search skills. And one of the most important skills is networking. And as you know, Amen. Good <laughs> yeah, uh, hallelujah. Uh, good networkers not only ask for help, but they, they give to others and they give without any expectation yes. of getting anything in return. Uh, so my way of doing that and, and being of service to my network was to share job postings. And I started doing that almost 25 years ago. And I did it uh, just a few postings a week. I, you know, we all get them. We all hear from friends and coworkers, hey, I'm getting a new boss, uh, send good candidates over here, or I'm looking for somebody to work with me. I got a few more than most, but what I did in order to be of service to others was to share them regularly with people in my network. And as the years went by, I started hearing from people I didn't know and from employers I didn't know who would say, hey, put me on your list or share this posting with your list. And when I was running my public relations firm, I did it for, as I mentioned, for 15 years, found myself paying someone to do this. And uh, 
to send these postings out and it was costing me a few hours of labor a week. And that's when I turned it into a business. And, uh, and what distinguishes us from the other great sites out there is that emphasis on not only educating hiring managers and, and candidates, but also being of service to, to others in the community. You know, and I want to go back to, and I, and I really harp on this in this podcast, even though this is a career podcast, I go back to networking quite a bit because I think networking is critical to a career. Would you agree with that? I would. And I, I want to hear more from you about it, but I, I, we let's talk about why it matters and what a difference it makes. You know, I just, um, we had our Success North Dallas meeting, which is an organization that I host here locally yesterday. And it was really interesting. I had a new potential new member. It was a first time guest come up and she told me after the meeting, because it, this is a high level networking event for C-level executives, right? But we always allow at the very end of the meeting, those that are in transition, it's not a, it's not an unemployment type organization, but we do want to recognize that there are those people that are high level that are in transition. And so we allow them to stand up and state their name and discipline. And then we have them come up to the front of the room afterwards and anybody in our community that can help them are welcome to go up to them. And her comment to me was that was so classy. That was done so well that, you know, you don't humiliate the job seekers, but you do give them opportunities and bring them to the forefront. And the reason we do that is because we've built a community where we know, like, and trust each other. And 80% of jobs are found through networking. Yeah, I've, I've heard different estimates, uh, whatever the percentage might be, whether it's 80, 40, 60, uh, referrals matter and uncovering uh, unadvertised jobs matters. And yes. the best way to do that to learn about jobs that might not get posted on sites like mine or LinkedIn or Indeed is to go out and talk to people. And the reason, the best way to uh, position yourself as a candidate for a job is to get a referral. And the reason referrals matter so much is managers who are doing hiring want to reduce risk. And that gets back to your point. Uh, managers prefer to hire people they know, like, or trust or are recommended to them by people they know, like, or trust, yes. because that reduces risk. And I, I think it's important for candidates to understand that and, and to embrace it and realize you can create those referrals. Uh, it's a skill you can learn. You don't have to have gone to an Ivy League school or be the best friend of a hiring manager. There are ways to create those opportunities for yourself. So I want to come back to that in just a second, ways to create those opportunities for yourself. But I want to go back to what you said earlier about unadvertised job openings. That's critical. And you know this and I know this. People don't come to me as a recruiter until they're desperate. Because nobody wants to pay a recruiter a fee to go find talent, right? Unless they totally recognize the value of a recruiter. But that's not many people. They don't recognize how much we save them on, you know, the time that they're losing when they don't have talent in the seat. But when they get desperate and their people are working, you know, overtime because they have a hole in their organization, that's when they come to us. But if you can find out about that hole before it has to be advertised, that's what networking's about. It is. And the way to do it uh, effectively is to 
have a clear job search goal, know what you want. And if you're not sure, that's okay. It's very normal. I find that people often have two or three goals that they want to explore and networking, going out and having informational interviews with people who are doing those jobs and talking to them about what that work is like usually brings clarity about which of the uh, of the two or three opportunities you're most uh, interested in. Once you have that clarity, then you can identify uh, your target employers, and then you can get out and network with people inside those organizations and get those referrals and connections. They're going to help you uncover these unadvertised positions. And, uh, and that's something anybody can do, but it does require direction and, and focus. So would you agree that when you need to find the job is not when you need to build your network? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think you knew the answer to that. <laughs> that was a total setup, I promise. <laughs> I, I walked right into that. Yeah. It's so and, important that, I mean, you don't ever want to walk into a networking organization needing something without being able to give value first. Yes. And often we, we find a job and, and I, I certainly had this experience earlier in my career. We think, woof. I, that's behind me. I don't have to worry about looking for the next opportunity. I'm set for the next three, five, 10 years. And we have to remember, uh, no matter where we might be in our career, we're going to be in the workplace for 40 years, uh, most of us. Yeah. And that means we're probably going to change jobs you know, five, seven, 10 times. So we will be back on the job market eventually. And if you take that long view and you uh, start building your network early in your career, or, you know, maybe you're starting at mid-career, but the important thing is get started and, uh, and networking should be a habit that you practice throughout your career, not just when you think you might lose your job or get laid off or you're yes. unhappy. That, that is so true. So, and, and I could talk about networking all day long. One of the things, one of the initiatives that we've launched is through Success North Dallas and also in conjunction VIP sponsors is our young executives. And we're really targeting those in their early stages of their career to teach them the value of networking, but not only, only the value, but the right way to do it. You know, you, so many people, not so many people, some people will go to a networking event and they're like, here's my card, here's what I have to sell. And right. it's a total turnoff, you know, that's not what you're looking for or here's what I need, you know, but if you go in and you offer value first, it's a totally different experience and you're going to get so much more reward and value from that networking experience than you would if you go in with a completely selfish attitude, I think. I agree. And it goes back to a point you made at the start of the conversation about the importance of curiosity, mm. because when you're curious about other people, uh, you will learn so much and you also will put people at ease and they candidly will think you're a great conversationalist because you're asking questions about them. And we all, and I say this in a, in a good spirit, we all love to talk about it ourselves. And when we go to networking events, there are some oddballs like me out there who enjoy it, <laughs> but most people are- Birds are of a feather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Most people are feeling a little awkward and that's normal. Um, and so when you take an interest in others at a networking event and ask them about the work they do themselves, how they came to be there, they're gonna uh, 
feel more comfortable and you're going to make a connection. And I also want to second your point about the importance of uh, seeing how you can be of help to others because uh, uh, good networkers, again, look for ways to be of service to others. I, I, I think, and I, and I can't remember if we talked about this. It's been a while since I've mentioned this book. Um, have you read the book, The Go-Giver? I have, yeah. Very, you know exactly yeah. where I'm going with this then. Of course yeah. you've read the book, The Go-Giver. But that's yeah. really what it talks about is about how you reap more rewards when you are first of service to others. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. And, and it's full of wisdom uh, and worth re- reading several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a parable about somebody who is looking for their next opportunity and they're not quite sure how to do it and why others might, how to ask for help and why others might be helpful and how they can be of help. And it's, it's a great story. Uh, and whether you're looking for work or just thinking about your career or your position in the community, it's, uh, it's well worth reading. I, I will let Bob Berg know that you endorse it as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I know you started out in PR and communications. So what transferable skills did you learn in that area that you think might be applied to effectively recruiting if you're a hiring manager, or are there some skills that you could apply as a candidate in a job search? Well, skills that served me well in public relations um, and communications, and I think really serve anybody well, no matter what your profession, I include things like curiosity. And we talked about this. Uh, You gotta be a lifelong learner. And, and that means not only taking an interest in others, but learning new skills because the technologies and the tools that we use uh, in the workplace, they're going to change. I can date myself by talking about how we had IBM Selectric typewriters when I first started in the eighties, but, um, but you get the point uh, and you just have to learn new things. I think when you're curious too. Uh, it gives you the ability to understand the needs of others. And you got to be a problem solver, Casey. Um, and I think one of the skills that served me well in communications and now in running the job board is asking the people I want to serve about their problems, what's keeping them up at night. And uh, if you're um, your candidate who is talking to a hiring manager, one of the best ways to do this is either uh, in the first or second interview, when you're talking to someone about a position, uh, ask them what, if I'm fortunate, say to them, if I'm fortunate enough to get this job, what are the three things you want me to tell you I've done at the end of our first year of working together when we sit down to do my annual review? And I I guarantee you, the manager you're talking to will step back or lean back in the chair and they'll pause and they'll think for a moment, and then they'll tell you about a problem that's not in the job description, that isn't in the interview questions, and it'll be something your candidates, your uh, uh, your competitors probably don't know about. So it gives you an opportunity to stand out as a candidate, but it also just reinforces my point that uh, you got the more you know about the problems of the people you're serving, uh, the more success you'll have 
Uh, and it's a great skill to have. And I, and I get that, and I think that's a great question about what keeps you up at night. Another great question that I like to ask, and, and this is more pre-interview, pre mm-hmm. like, like trying to help people find that right career path, what's gonna make you happy to get up and go to work tomorrow? Yeah, that's a great question. Why do you like that question? What do you find when you ask that one? Or, or... I see people when I ask that question, they kind of roll their eyes up and they look, right? So they're searching for that information in their brain to find Mm -hmm. what it is. Where's that happiness? What triggers those happiness? You know, adrenaline in their brain. And oftentimes it will take them back to when they're much younger and they'll find something in the past that maybe as a kid they enjoyed doing that they could relate to the future, you know? So if you ask me that question, what makes me happy to get up and go to work in the morning? It's because I get to serve people. And I know that's not everybody's passion, but for me it is. And I love that I get to get up and I get to get on the phone with people and I get to help them find out what it is they're passionate about and find the perfect career so they're not misaligned in their career like I was for 20 years. Yeah. It's a great question. I'm great. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So, and we talked about this earlier about building rapport because, and that's very important because in an interview, you have a very short amount of time to build rapport. You know, what's one of the best piece of advices you would give to someone outside of the question you just asked, but like when you're first walking into an interview, what's one of the best pieces of advice you would give to help build rapport quickly? Well, you mentioned this at the start of our conversation, looking around the room for objects or connections uh, that you could ask people about in that those first few minutes when people are getting settled in the interview room. Uh, Another way to do it is to do your homework before you walk into the employer's offices. Look on LinkedIn, look for connections. Maybe um, uh, the people you're meeting with are uh, graduates of a local school. You follow the sports team. Uh, Maybe you share common hobbies or interests. And that's a chance uh, in asking about that in those first few minutes before the formal interview begins to, to make those connections. And, uh, and that'll help people help you stand out from your competitors and help uh, and often will invoke a personal story or, or an anecdote from the, the hiring manager. Well, and I think at the end of the day, I think probably the word of this podcast is curiosity. I think it's yeah. <laughs> coming in with that genuine curiosity, genuinely wanting to learn about the hiring manager yeah. and what they have and what they look forward to and really what the whole is, what they need, what keeps them up at night. I think all of those are very, as long as it's genuine, it's got to be genuine. Yes. Yeah. That, that's would, so important. I would also add, it's important for candidates to remember, uh, you've got some, you've got agency here. So if you're going to an interview, uh, it's very appropriate and employers expect you to do this for you to ask, well, who will I be meeting with? Mm. Uh, can you tell me their names, their titles? Um, how long will the conversation be? Uh, do you provide questions in advance? Some employers do, some don't. Uh, and you can also ask about the, the hiring process itself, the timetable, when decisions might be made, who the decision makers are, are going to be. And in terms of building rapport, if you know who you're going to meet before you walk into the room, you can connect with them on LinkedIn, send them a note. Yes. Uh, so you important. Can, yeah. 
And when you connect with them on LinkedIn in advance, uh, you'll have access to their email information so that when you get up and leave, you know not only who you've met with, but you have the ability to communicate with them one-on-one -on -one after the conversation, either through emails or handwritten notes. Um, all these are small steps, but collectively uh, they can make a huge difference, not only in building that connection and that rapport with the people that you're interviewing with, but again, uh, in helping you distinguish yourself from the other people they're talking to that day or the next day. You know, that's so funny that you just brought that up about connecting on LinkedIn, because believe it or not, my baby sister, she was looking, she just finished graduate school not too long ago, about three years ago, and she was looking for her next job and she had applied to a role and the hiring manager, because you know, you can, I hope everybody knows, you can go on LinkedIn and you can see who's viewed your profile. I think, and everybody should be checking that every single day. You need to know who's looking at your profile because you never know when you might want to reach out to them and build your network, right? Um, but anyway, so she noticed that the hiring manager had looked at her profile and she called me because I mean, she's not had to go for many interviews in her life, right? And she's like, should I reach out? And I'm like, absolutely, you know, connect with her, say, hey, I saw you looked at my profile. I've applied for this role. Would love to connect. Don't say anything more than that. Don't be any more aggressive. Just connect with her. She ended up getting the job and she's been there for like three years and her and the hiring manager are like best friends to this day. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there were many other applicants for that position and, and only a smaller number who got interviews. I would guess that she was probably one of a handful, if not the only person to do that. Yep. And many candidates hesitate. They worry that they, uh, it might harm them to, to, uh, to reach out and connect and send notes or ask for this information. But again, um, you can, these are, these are all standard practices. And I think because many of us don't look for work frequently or invest as much time as perhaps we should in learning the job search skills, we're not aware of these opportunities. Uh, so it just reinforces for me the importance of uh, when you're doing a search or thinking about managing your career, spend time learning these skills and, and these subjects because this knowledge will serve you well no matter where you are in your career. And there's so much more we could talk about. I just know it, the two of us. But really quickly, tell me a little bit about your podcast, Find Your Dream Job. I love the title. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's a weekly career advice uh, show. And I have been for eight years now sitting down <laughs> once a week with career experts across the United States and, and uh, outside the U.S. as well. And they we look for career experts like you. They could be on the hiring side, a recruiter, an HR manager who's involved in interviewing and selecting candidates. And, or we work, we talk to people who work on the candidate side. They could be career coaches, resume writers, uh, staffers at career services, offices at universities. Whatever side of the table they're sitting on, they get paid to help people, if they're working for candidates, understand the challenges that you face when you apply for a job. And they mm. get paid to help people overcome those problems. Or if they're on the hiring side, they see what works and doesn't work. And it's that knowledge, that expertise that we tap into in these conversations. We get really granular about job search topics, uh, but we find that's what our listeners uh, come for. And you know, we're, we're proud that the show's been downloaded more than 4 million times. Wow. Uh, most of our listeners are outside. 
Yeah, uh, outside of Oregon and Washington, because again, to the point you and I were talking about at the start, this advice, these principles are universal. Mm -hmm. uh, the job search advice you're sharing works not only in, in Texas, it works in Oregon and the UK and around the world. Yeah. And it's the same for what uh, our guests share on our show. So you can find it wherever you get your podcasts, uh, find your dream job and uh, we're approaching our 500th interview in the next uh, couple months. That is really impressive. I just want to stop for just a second and say congratulations because Thank you. I I feel like I'm kind of a old podcaster and I'm like have done half of what you've done and I feel like I've done a lot. You've done a lot. Uh, you no, know, take your hat off to yourself. It's <laughs> as you know, it's a it's a labor of love, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work yeah. for sure. Yeah. So very quickly, I usually ask three questions at the end of the show, and I think we're out of respect for you and your time. Yeah. We're going to run out of time. So I'm going to ask you just one of our final, maybe sure. two of our final questions. We'll see how long it takes you to answer this one. So if if you were, um, not if you were one, I just launched in. See, I am such a creature of habit. I just launched into the first question. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I've only been doing it for a year, but I have been uh, doing daily meditation. I use a meditation oh. app. What, and... what do you use? 10% happier. Oh, I've not heard of that one. Yeah, there's um, it, it's a company created by former news anchor, Dan Harris. He was on ABC. And uh, and what I like about the app is it has these self-guided courses. Uh, they're in, and they're in manageable uh, chunks of time, you know, 15, 20 minutes. But having, setting aside a day, uh, 15, 20 minutes a day, and I don't do it at the same time every day, but for that kind of reflection, um, just brings di direction and calmness to my day that I might not otherwise have. It, and it's it's like exercise, you know. It, you see the benefits over time. It's you know it's not overnight, but uh, I have noticed a big difference um, uh, in in both just my day to day life after having done that for more than a year. I love that. I also am a huge meditator, which is why I asked about the app. Um, there's a YouTube channel that I follow. It's called Great Meditations. You might check oh, it out. It's really, really good. Great tip. Yeah. So I love that one. Okay, I am going to ask you one more question. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Okay, so full disclosure, you sent this question to me in advance, as I, I expect you do with all your guests. I'm a genealogist. I have this uh, news article from the 30s about a great grandmother, and uh, she. There was actually a news story about her death, and the headline uh, was "She had many friends," and I love that about her. Um, I think mine would be "He helped many people." Oh, I love that. I love that so much. How do people get in touch with you? How do they? You mentioned so many resources today. So how do they get access to those resources? Go to our website, maxlist.org, and we do have a job board with positions in Oregon and Washington. Uh, but for those outside the Pacific Northwest, there are hundreds of articles there about how to look for work, two free online video courses, one about interviewing, one about using uh, social channels in your job search. And then, of course, our podcast, Find Your Dream Job, which you can find uh, if, uh, not only on our website, maxlist.org, but uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, anywhere. 
I love that so much. Mac, thank you so much. You've been so flexible today and you've just been an amazing treasure trove of information. So I really appreciate you. And just one last thing to say to you, you are a VIP. Thank you. It's an honor to be here and uh, thank you for the invitation. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.